This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Are scientific findings a matter of opinion? 43% of Canadians agree that they are, suggests a survey commissioned by Ontario Science Centre back in September. According to that survey, 19% of the respondents believe that vaccination leads to autism, even though that study was found to be an elaborate hoax or fraud many years ago. Tonight, we're going to address the concerns Canadians have about fake news and your knowledge of science and medicine, real medicine. It's been said your health is your wealth. The benefits of great health cannot be overstated. Great health leads to a longer, happier life and even better intimate relationships. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, a show about health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and yes, 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 even sexual health, uncovering what lies beneath the sheets. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse, author of the book Sex and Health, a blogger at Fifty Shades of Pink, clinician, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation with your doctor, answer your questions, and help you live life to the fullest. I have a passion for up-to-date and accurate health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies, just fearless, straight-up nurse talk. I guarantee it will be illuminating, enlightening, and a little bit of fun. So please stay with me. Do put the kitties to bed as listener discretion is advised. Remember, we're going under the covers and likely going to be talking about sex as well. On this program, my aim is to provide you with up-to-date, evidence-based information so that you know there are options for symptoms and medical conditions that you have. Please do, however, always consult with your medical doctor. If you have any questions at all, you can call me or for any of my fabulous guests that I'm having on the show tonight, and I'll tell you who they are very shortly. The number to call is 604-280-9898. That's 604-280-9898. Or for the long-distance listeners, one 877 98 or email me at nursetalk at hotmail.com. That's nursetalk at hotmail.com. N U R S E T A L K at hotmail.com. You can go to my website, back to the bedroom.ca, and complete the contact form there as well. Andrew, how are you this evening? I've got my orange Pico ready to go. So oh, uh, wow. I'm needing a little boost in the energy. <laughs> Not really. I just I just like it a lot. Oh, that's great. I just like my orange pika. How about you? I, I'm needing a little boost in the energy, quite frankly. I've been up a long time, it feels like, today. <laughs> have you been up a long time? I have. I was up early, around 5 o'clock this morning. Oh, my God. So. This is your 13th hour going? Is this my 13th No, I, I'm awful at math, sorry. 12 <laughs> plus 3 is 15. It's my 15th hour, but ready to go for accurate, up-to-date healthcare information. And we have some great guests tonight, so I'm really excited about this show. Um, first of all, we're going to be talking about dementia care. And Kathy Kovacs, you may know her. She is a former TV sportscaster. She took her video production skills in a very different direction. And she is the co-founder of Boomerang Mind Stimulation Videos for those suffering from memory challenges. She's also developed a website, an online community for caregivers of people living or caring for their loved ones with dementia. So we're going to be talking to her just at about 8.15. Also, I'm very excited. I met this gentleman on Twitter, of all places, but I meet a lot of people on LinkedIn and Twitter, quite frankly. Dr. John Hislop is an MD, PhD, which means he's brilliant, uh, number one, but he's also very serious about appropriate, accurate, up-to-date, evidence-informed medical care and information for patients and for uh 
for all of you. He's uh, debunking pseudoscience and conspiracy theories. And we're going to be talking about some of the misinformation that is put out there in particular by uh, people who don't necessarily have a medical degree but may may make you feel like uh, they are qualified when they necessarily are not. So it should be a very interesting uh, conversation. We're going to be talking to him at the bottom of the hour. Also going to be talking to another physician at uh, in the second part of the program. Dr. Jen Gunter joins me. She's an OBGYN. She is Canadian trained and um, works in the U.S. And she has come up against the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow and Donald Trump. And so um, many of you know that I did a TEDx talk about the sexless marriage, uh, actually called No Sex Marriage, Masturbation, Cheating, Loneliness and Shame. It's had over 12 million views, which just underscores how important this particular subject is. But one of the comments that I receive very frequently on that TEDx talk is the assumption is that it's always women that have low sexual desire. But there were a lot of women, and it is more common, more women in intimate relationships do experience low sexual desire as compared with men. But a lot of women said, what about when a man doesn't desire a woman? Dr. Jen Gunter has written a brilliant article about that very subject. So we're going to be talking about that at the top of the hour, of the second hour, at about 9 o'clock. Also going to be talking about whether it's okay to um, sleep with your pets. Um, Some of the shocking effects of a nose job recently. You might be surprised about that. And um, your emails, and we're taking your calls, of course. And so right now we're going to get to this very important subject when we're going to go to break. And then when I return, Kathy Kovacs will be joining me, and we're going to be talking about the support that you can receive for dementia if you are somebody who is caring for somebody living with that uh, medical condition. Or And we're also going to be talking about this new online community. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this program for you as I do live every Sunday night. Thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, as always, to be with you talking about health care. Right now we're going to be talking about dementia care. Kathy Kovacs is a former TV sports broadcaster. Kathy took her video production skills in a very different direction. She's now the co-founder of Boomerang Mind Stimulation Videos for those suffering from memory challenges such as dementia and Alzheimer's. The website is DementiaCareConnection.com, of which she is the co-founder as well. Good evening, Kathy. Hi, good evening. Thanks for having me on your show tonight. Oh, thank you for joining me from Edmonton. I appreciate that. Thank you. I just wish it wasn't snowing as much here, but that's okay. Oh, I'm not going to tell you that I actually went swimming in the ocean yesterday. (laughs) Did I just tell you that? Yes, I did. No wetsuit. Okay. (laughs) Um, That's another story. That's another story. Um, Yeah, we're having some fine weather. I'm glad to hear. Yeah, so Kathy, this is a uh, this is fam- fantastic work that you've done. You've developed these boomerang mind stimulation videos for those suffering from memory challenges like dementia and Alzheimer's. I was going through the website, DementiaCareConnection.com, and, and I learned so much about dementia. And about, um, so tell me a little bit, why don't you, for our listeners' benefit, tell me a little bit about dementia before we get into the boomerang videos. What are are some of the symptoms that people can have? What's, uh, there's denial often on the part of the family? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and first off, I want to say, as a, a sportscaster, people, former sportscaster, people might be thinking, well, how did she get involved in this? And and I don't have any really um, big designation or big letters after my name when it comes to medical. But what I do have is a lot of one-on-one experience with seniors and with their caregivers in care homes over the past um, eight years. And what I did come to know, and that's what the the website is all about, Maureen, is all about um, the people who really live in the trenches day after day. And it is a a place of community where they can come and gather and and really learn more about um, the caregiver as well as the person suffering. So the first thing that I wanted people to know is dementia is not a normal part of aging. It's it's really not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think, oh, you know, my, my grandmother is getting older. She's very forgetful. Well, forgetful is one thing, and we all are forgetful from time to time. And, and maybe as we age, we will get more forgetful. But uh, dementia is not normal forgetfulness, and it can be avoided. And it, there are certain real triggers that people should really pay attention to, especially if they do have an older loved one that they're, they're, they're worried about. And what are some of those triggers? Oh, first, first of all, it is extreme forgetfulness. Um, we, we kind of joke, I mean, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. So sometimes we do try to, um, you know, put in a bit of humor and things. And we say, forgetting your car keys isn't a sign of dementia or pre-dementia, but forgetting what your car is for. And, you know, you joke about things like that. In essence, that's truly what does happen to a person who's afflicted with uh, a mind-robbing illness, is they will eventually forget what everyday objects are used for. So, you know, anywhere you put the car keys, that's probably more of an absent-mindedness for, right. for those of us at home who are worried. Or the so, side effect yeah. of multitasking or, or excessive busyness kind of a thing. Yeah, and guaranteed, if you put your mind to it literally and said, today I'm going to be very distinct about where I put my keys, and you're making it more of a, um, a priority in your mind to remember, right. you probably will remember. Um, some of the warning signs, though, if you're living with a loved one, or if you've gone over to their house and and maybe you notice um, some of these things. I think you really do uh, need to to pay attention. And that would be finding the car keys in really odd areas. And we've heard about this where uh, you open up the microwave and there's the car Right. Or you open up the cupboard and there's a meal that you made (laughs) that hasn't been eaten in in two or three days. Um, Those are all really telltale signs that the person is, you know, losing with where things are supposed to be. Does the person yeah. often begin to live a simpler life? Do they um, not, Absolutely. you know, not go outside as much, maybe not tend not to drive, maybe be afraid? For sure. Um, you know, we're all really good at hiding sometimes uh, embarrassment. And if you were finding, and most people are aware that they're, they're losing some semblance of their memory, and a lot of times they're embarrassed or they, they are worried and they think, well, why chance it? You know, maybe it's going to rain today. I just won't go outside and they do isolate themselves. So that is a very telltale sign as well. Um, and how about forgetting words? Absolutely. Any change, uh, and I mean a, a real direct change in, in uh, how they communicate, um, maybe using different verbiage that they never would have used before. A lot of times it's a lot more aggressive. Uh, such as swearing or um, really apathetic things that they used to like to do, 
um, it can actually turn quite quickly one from one week to the next, um, something that you, you know they, they loved all their lives, and suddenly they just have no, no desire for it and no need maybe to, to communicate or go out to their church. Right. Um, those are all real telltale signs. And how about, sure. I've heard a lot of people say, um, for example, my mother doesn't have dementia. She has short-term memory loss. Have we replaced the term dementia with short-term, the term short-term memory loss? Yes, probably. And I think a lot of times dementia is the umbrella word that's used to um, describe any sort of memory loss uh, um, or affliction in a, in a person. Um there are, there's several different kinds, and one of them is Alzheimer's. That is very different from just short-term memory loss, and obviously a doctor would have to tell the person. Right, but is that easier to, to um, is that more palatable to say my one of my parents has short-term memory loss versus one of my parents has dementia? Is Because denial plays a role here Absolutely. for a lot of people. And that's where the medical doctor would come in and have some very direct that a person can take. But a lot of times the, the, the person knows that, um, you know, the gig is kind of up and they don't want to go. There's a lot of resistance to try to even get your loved one to the doctor to check it out. And, you know, uh, this is kind of uh, such a slippery slope because you're going there out of a place of love, but you really don't want to hear those words. Right. But the sooner you can hear them, the more you can go on that path to, um, not necessarily recovery, because there is no recovery, unfortunately. This is the epidemic we're faced with. Mm-hmm. But learning the tools, getting the proper help um, in order to prolong your, your loved one's right. well, you know, well-lived life rather than just going into the abyss uh, that is a, a brain-related uh, illness. Yes, and cognitive recall is something that is a challenge for people with dementia. So this is why you developed those boomerang videos. And what did you find uh, when the residents in, in the care homes that you showed these to, what did you find happened when they viewed them? Right. So my um, my co-founder, Karina Robertson, who did all the heavy lifting, um, her family had a care home at Fraser View Care Lodge in Richmond, B.C., for years and years. And um, Karina, growing up, uh, basically lived out of the care home. And her job at the time was to look after the residents for their recreational uh, care time. And she was really struggling because by the time we got them settled and in, in, in for this one hour of, you know, next time, there was, there was no... Um, there was there was no cohesiveness. They couldn't concentrate. Some had strokes. Some had hearing loss, um, and most of them were suffering from dementia. So we put our video uh, production skills to the test, and we created um, a series of videos that are very very uh, simple and beautiful with, with slow moving pictures, mm-hmm. um, kind of what you would see on an autistic or autism, Mm -hmm. and really nice music that's easy for them to follow. And there is some word cues and verbiage in there for them to prompt some of the long-term memory store. So we put these on in uh, Fraser View, and right away you could just see the residents just perking right up because long-term memories the last thing to go. It's, it's your long-term memory store that stays the longest. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people know this. But to see it happening right there in front of us, and instead of them being aggressive or stressed, they turned to one another and, and started talking about the farm in, you know, in the 1940s or the Depression. And they talked about things that made them people before 
the disease took them over. And I imagine and it was this brings amazing. And I imagine this brings a sense of joy to them. And if not, but for a moment, you know, yes. if not for just but a moment, because that's what people have to realize is is when you're that further along in dementia, which was mid to late stages, you're only living in the present. Right. You, you do not. You will never really fully understand that it's 2018. We're in March. Um, they just want to live for the moment, and it does give them immediate gratification for sure. Yeah. And isn't isn't that what we Need that would be great. It would be great to do a study on this too to see. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love. It was good. It was so good for their families too. I can imagine. It was the key talking point for them. You know, you can't go in there, and it's so hard for families to go in there, and they drive all that way, and they the loved one doesn't even remember them half the time or recognize them, and will immediately forget they were there as soon as right. they leave. So at least this gives them a little window into who their loved one was, and it shares that, that moment of, um, of just being present and well, in the moment. It's great work, Kathy. You never cease to amaze me. This is a phenomenal <laughs> website. Um, there's a if, if you feel you might be at risk, there's a, a test. Are you at risk? There's also caregiving tips on this website, DementiaCareConnection.com. There are some preventive measures um, that are outlined on this. So thank you so much, Kathy, for coming on the show and talking about this very important subject. And the website is... DementiaCareConnection.com. Thank you so much. It's great work, and I really appreciate this, and I'm certain that people who are living with their loved ones who have this are grateful as well. Thank you, and they can reach out to me anytime. I would love to hear from them. Wonderful. Thanks so much. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm hosting this program for you. It's always great to be here with you talking about one of my favorite subjects, health, which encompasses so much spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational, sexual. And this is what uh, a good doctor will do, will treat you holistically. Dr. John Hislop is an MD and PhD. He's a general practitioner who has an interest in health advocacy, and he has taken to social media to educate the public about healthcare. Thanks so much for being in the studio, Dr. Hislop. And thank you for inviting me on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. We met on Twitter. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> and uh, quite the Twitter feed around some of the pseudoscience that you have decided to speak up against. Yeah, exactly. I've, like many physicians out there, been developing a growing frustration with uh, when... Groups that are pseudoscientific, uh, often naturopaths, are taking an approach to healthcare that is not very beneficial for patients and can even be somewhat antagonistic to medical doctors and medical practice and allied health professionals in general. One of the most common things that occurs is when naturopaths, you know, a patient will see them and then they'll, the naturopath will give them a list of medical tests and tell the patient, well, go to your doctor and get them to order these tests. You need to have these tests in order for us to evaluate you. And that creates a, quite a number of problems. And I'm not sure that naturopaths necessarily recognize the magnitude of this problem, but it's really pretty big. 
first of all, it's immediately setting patients up or setting physicians up for a potential conflict uh, with their patients. You know, the naturopath has just told them, well, you have to have these tests. But at the same time, it's ultimately up to the doctor to decide what is the most appropriate care to provide and which tests really actually need to be done. You don't just want to blindly order tests. Uh, in fact, many uh, groups out there, are, and a good example of this is there's a, a well-known adv- advocacy group called Choosing Wisely, and they've been promoting the its doctors, helping doctors recognize that we don't want to order uh, any test out there. We need to be mindful and thoughtful about which tests really ought to be done. The problem with ordering too many tests is you can end up with problems like what we call false positives. So this is uh, simply where there's nothing actually wrong with the individual, but the test has actually come back positive. If you order enough tests, just uh, somewhat by virtue of randomness, some of the tests are going to come back abnormal. And the problem with that is it then leads to potentially a cascade of additional tests, some of which can themselves potentially be harmful. Simple example would be that you get an abnormal blood test and then a decision is made that, well, you know, now we really need to do a CT scan. Well, now we're exposing the patient to potentially harmful radiation. Or maybe we need to do a biopsy. Well, that's getting really invasive. And so the Choosing Wisely campaign is all about being careful about ordering inappropriate tests and doing or doing our test ordering cautiously. But the lists of tests that patients are coming in from the naturopaths with look to be really nonsensical, often have nothing at all to do with the symptoms that the patient actually has. And it certainly doesn't look like it's based on any Choosing Wisely campaign. And if it's anything, it looks like it's almost a Choosing Randomly campaign. Now, naturopaths have not gone to medical school. Nope. So, and the very word nature, natural, makes it seem, um, when I see that word, I think not been tested. That's my definition of natural. When it's a product in particular that is being promoted for a symptom that is disguised as a medical condition that may not exist. That may be the case. There's there's some some natural products that are getting tested by scientists. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's very important to remember that natural doesn't necessarily mean it's good or safe. That's right. A good example of that is that, uh, of course, apples are very healthy. Uh, Some people uh, may know, uh, but I bet you a lot of people don't, that apple seeds have a compound in them that can degrade when we eat them into cyanide. Well, uh, in fact, that's not necessarily a a big deal. It's something natural, uh, cyanide. I don't want something – I don't want a lot of cyanide on my pizza. No. (laughs) But when you have a little bit in your apple, uh, because the dose is so incredibly tiny – it's actually okay for you. And so natural is not necessarily safe. And uh, it's also important to remember that when we think about whether something is safe or dangerous, what is most important to understand is its degree of toxicity. And there was a, a famous philosopher by the name of Paracelsus, who, and this is translated from Latin from many years ago, but essentially what he had said is that it's the dose that makes the poison. In other words, it doesn't necessarily matter what something is. Mm -hmm. What matters is how much of it we have. And that's ultimately what determines whether or not it's okay to have a certain treatment is whether our bodies can handle it. 
Absolutely. Um, the Twitter feed is fascinating, and a lot of people have retweeted and liked um, some of the comments, many of the comments that have been, um, that you actually spoke about, um, you know, in regard to some of the potential harm that naturopaths are doing. One thing you, you mentioned that they may order some tests. Some of the typical tests are hormone tests, whether you're a male or a female, whether you need it or not, uh, tia, thyroid stimulating hormone thyroid tests to determine if you are hypothyroid. I, I have to say a number of people in, that have crossed my path have told me that they were hypothyroid and they were taking natural thyroid and, and because they had a low normal. But uh, a low normal TSH is not necessarily abnormal. No, absolutely not. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's important to make sure you've done a holistic evaluation of this individual. Uh, you, you can have a TSH value that's slightly off and the person may be without symptoms. And we often say in medicine, well, you know, what you really need to do is treat the person and not the lab test result. Right. And when you say holistic, we, we talk about assessments in, in healthcare, and doctors do head-to-toe assessments, uh, and it even goes beyond that. Uh, we, when I did my training, what was emphasized a lot, and I'm sure is still done routinely today because I see all doctors taking this approach, is what we call a biopsychosocial model mm -hmm. of medicine. And what that means is the bio, so biological assessment, in mm -hmm. other words, the person's physical health, the psychological component, their mental health, mm -hmm. and all in the context of their social circumstances. Yes. And we routinely do this. I do this every day. Mm -hmm. And yet what can be very frustrating and what I talked about in some of my recent comments on Twitter is that there are websites of naturopaths who explicitly say that in contrast – to medical doctors, they are the ones who take the holistic approach. Right. And and that's not necessarily That's completely that's untrue. not the case. Right. Yeah. I spend most of my day managing uh, many aspects of a person's health, and it takes all of these different factors into account. And as you know, I work in sexual health, and I, take, I use the same model in terms of, especially in terms of women's sexual response or women's sexual desire. We use a biopsychosocial model in order to understand what, what some of the issues are that they're having in their intimate lives. Um, when we come back, we're going to read some of those comments from that amazing Twitter feed that um, that really talks about how the, the potential dangers that um, can happen to people. People can have symptoms of stroke, for example. And there was one, um, one, one of the comments was that a woman was slurring her speech and um, she had a uh, facial droop and she was given, I think it was garlic and oregano. And, uh, but when uh, you know, a layperson would know more likely what to do with um, somebody who ex was experiencing or demonstrating those symptoms. So when we come back, we'll... Did you want to say something before we... <laughs> uh, just that, yes, I agree. I mean, uh, this is something that's very serious, and you have to hope that uh, this is properly recognized and acted upon. That's right. And garlic and oregano are good for pizza. And that's it. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. I am joined by Dr. Jonathan Hislop. His Twitter handle is at HislopMD. That's at Hislop, H-I-S-L-O-P, MD, and he is an MD, PhD, and he has taken to social media, which is where I met him, uh, to speak up about some of the frustrations physicians have with 
naturopaths. Some of the things that naturopaths do, some of the treatments they offer, vitamin IV therapy, manipulation, injections, colon hydrotherapy, lots of colonics, uh, and they charge you for this. And one of the um, one of the comments on the Twitter feed was, well, my naturopath spends a lot more time with me than my doctor does. Well, of course. Uh, Dr. Hislop, what do you say to that? Well, it's a fair point. And I think physicians in general totally get that patients would like to have more time with them. And you know what? We'd love nothing more than to spend that time. And Part of the issue with that is that we're somewhat handicapped by the nature of our medical system and how we're compensated and so on. So we, we only have a little bit of time to spend with each person. There, again, there's nothing your doctor would like more than to be able to slow down a little and take that time with you. But when we talk about naturopaths spending so much more time, it's important to also look at the context there and what's really going on. I looked at the websites for a few naturopaths uh, who work in the area where where I work, uh, but also across the country and even in the United States. One of the things I noticed is that uh, let's say they make their initial assessment that may last for an hour. And they'll charge, it looks like, from a low of around $180 up to maybe as much as $250, and they'll spend that hour with you. Well, that's actually more than what the family doctor may be billing during that time. and Quite a look, bit more, I imagine. A fair bit more in yeah. some cases. And if you look at the average of it all, well, the naturopath is probably giving you a visit that's six times longer and they're charging you seven times the price. That's exactly right. And then they may sell you some products. And I wanted to get back to a point that you made about lab tests. When they ask that, when when a naturopath will say to a patient, "Can you get your doctor to order these lab tests?" A, a doctor has to deem those lab tests as medically necessary. And if they're not, and you're audited. Who's responsible? It's the doctor. That's right. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up again. The when That's part of the issue when naturopaths are giving these lists to patients is that it's really it's, – it's not right for the doctor to just blindly order the test, both for the reasons I was highlighting before, the potential dangers involved – but also because we're not actually simply allowed to randomly order tests. We have to actually deem that the test was medically appropriate. If we don't, ultimately, it's on us to handle the cover the cost if we're audited at some point down the road. That's right. I had a patient come into my clinical practice uh, about a sexual health issue, but she ha- said she had just come from, uh, actually, it was a pharmacy, and she had she wanted to show me her knee. I'm a nurse, and I, and I let people know that, but she wanted to show me her knee, and she had some fluid on her, on her knee. And she said she had purchased $400 worth of supplements and vitamins for her knee. But then she also, what looked to me like an arthritic knee, which was in her history. She had arthritis of her knee, and she said the doctors in the past had drained it. But and and that's the treatment for our water on the knee when it's arthritis. That's a typical treatment. But she didn't want to do that for whatever reason. And she was told by a naturopath or a pharmacist that these products would help her knee. Right. And it doesn't sound like – I don't know what these products uh, were, obviously, but I don't know – Garlic any... and ginger and yeah, well, <laughs> oregano. You know, they were those types of products. Again, there's a place for those and it's at the dinner table, not That's inside right. your knee. Exactly. 
the if somebody's knee has to be drained has been drained in the past yeah it may need to happen again and the person to evaluate that you you want to have that continuity of care and see your doctor back and discuss the best way to deal with the fact that this knee is getting swollen up again and again exactly and this this twitter feed is phenomenal and and you had hundreds of retweets hundreds it's it's continuous it doesn't seem to end i i did review you know what i thought was all of it but i'm i'm missing a little bit but um, one of the tweets that you said was, until naturopaths take leadership in overhauling their quote-unquote profession, they can be confident that health advocates, you know, such as yourself, myself, um, other health advocates out there, Dr. Jen Gunter, Dr. Cor- uh, Timothy Caulfield, um, will, you know, and more will be joined by many others who have finally had it with naturopathic attacks on science and health. Exactly. I think that there has been a gradually growing frustration, and I think that a lot of health professionals have really just finally had it. The support that I received for these comments was really quite widespread. First of all, geographically, uh, supporters from literally around the world, ranging from Japan to Europe to the Middle East to South America and so on. But also what was nice to see was how many people in different fields, different uh, branches of allied health really responded very positively to these comments, dietitians, social workers, nurses like yourself, and so on. And so I can tell from this that it really wasn't just, you know, I put my thoughts out there, but it clearly it spoke to a lot of people who not only liked and retweeted the comments, but in many cases, uh, they were really quite passionate about uh, what had been written and how much it really resonated with them. And so that was nice to see. Absolutely. And um, and you posted um, something, obviously, from a naturopathic doctor's website. What are the advantages to seeing a naturopathic doctor? And they say naturopathic doctors, which they're really not doctors, look to the underlying cause of the condition, not just the symptoms. And um, But physicians look to the root causes of uh, illnesses. Again, absolutely. I mean, it's what I do all day long. And, you know, if you think about it for a moment, looking at underlying causes, root causes, I mean, let's face it, that's just common sense. <laughs> if, you, if, if, you, if you go out to your car in your driveway and there's a flat tire, I mean, you're going to go and look around for a nail or a piece of glass or something. That's just logical. Obviously, you're going to do that. Well, when naturopaths, and they they were pretty explicit on some of these websites stating that in contrast to your doctor, we're the ones who look at underlying causes for your conditions. Right. Well, that's kind of like saying that your doctors don't have any common sense. Absolutely. Another point I wanted to make is that... um, you, when, the, when the naturopathic doctors order, well, first of all, a lot of diagnoses come out, a lot of the same diagnoses come out of naturopathic doctors' offices, adrenal fatigue, uh, elevated cortisol levels, and um, thyroid problems. But when they order those, medica- those lab tests, then you are to bring those back to the naturopath. It's only so the naturopath can sell you a product. That should be a red flag. That's a big problem. And again, it's such a problem just bringing those uh, requests for tests to the doctor at all when the patient has been told that they have to have them. Now the doctor has to spend all sorts of time trying to explain to the patient why it should not be done. And that that could be a really time-consuming process, and it can create in the patient a lot of anxiety about what's not being done 
can create potentially even some mistrust. So it's really undermining the doctor-patient relationship. And, you know, when I, I engage with specialists all the time, I send my patients, I'm a general practitioner, so I'm sending patients for consultations. And even in cases where I know that the specialist needs to do a certain test, maybe something like a colonoscopy. Right. I still don't tell the patient, you have to have a colonoscopy. I tell them, we're going to consult with the specialist and we're going to get their opinion about this because my concern is you might need to have that done. Exactly. But it, it's giving them the respect and the recognition that at the end of the day, the buck stops with them. They're That's the ones right. who are going to decide. They're the ones who are doing the procedure. And we need to recognize that. Exactly. Um, I'm glad you've had so much support from around the world. I think this was percolating inside a lot of us. I, I speak to patients quite frequently in my clinical practice. They'll be taking products for menopausal symptoms that aren't even working. They've spent 80 to to $100 for a bottle that is highly marketed, really pushed um, to vulnerable people and vulnerable women, women who don't necessarily have the financial resources for this, but they think they need to take it. Uh, people are unwell when they see whoever, whether it's a naturopath or a medical doctor and so on, and they're vulnerable. And it's on us to make sure that we're giving them the best options for their care that is going to work for them. It should not simply be something that we happen to have available that we would like to sell to them. And that's just a, a fundamental basis for how our healthcare system really needs to work because it's got to put the patient first. And, and it's our healthcare system too that needs an overhaul of it. We can't, uh, the government looks at healthcare in silos. So even if a, a conservative measure costs $100, but the surgery costs, you know, 5000 or trip to the emergency department 10 times, you know, costs 10000 they don't care. You know, they're not that interested. So they are interested in their own budgets, and that has to change. But there's also been staff cutting. New programs have been cut. We need equipment in the medical system. We need um, health upgrades and, you know, moving technologically advanced uh, in medicine as well. We need to move more towards social media, more electronic, more... Uh, we certainly need more electronic communication. It's uh, something that uh, is now a possibility, and the medical world probably needs to catch up to the rest of society that Absolutely. Way. Thank you so much, Dr. Jonathan Hislop. Uh, his Twitter feed, you'll want to read it, at HislopMD. Thanks so much for coming in and sharing all this information. Thank you for having me here. Oh. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, great. Thanks. We'll have you back. There's lots more to talk about. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.